So, have you listened yet to the Teal album? I have listened to the Teal no, album. No, really? I have. I, I have. thought I thought that that was just going to be two things that you would have nothing to do with Latter-day Weezer and covers. It is wholly unnecessary. <laughs> uh, but I have I have listened to it. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 215 of the Matinee Cast. It's your movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Last time today's guest was on the show, I made a bad joke that his appearances were tied to the Winter Olympics and that we would see him again whenever the Olympic flame was lit again. Then all of 2018 came and went and I just didn't manage to get him back. And that is not in keeping with the Olympic spirit at all. So today we try to course correct and bring him back to talk Oscars. I know some of y'all are delighted with what was nominated. Some of you are infuriated. I promise he and I will speak for both sides. He is a contributing writer at That Shelf, a full-time writer at BNN, and the single person I have spoken to most about film in my life. Shane McNeil is here. How are you, brother? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Not bad. How's the, how's the Yemeni coffee working for you? It's Yemeni. I'm a regular Yemeni snicker. Oh my god. On episode 215, we will be discussing the nominations for the 91st Oscars. As many of you have already noticed, that brings a change in the proceedings. The music you will hear as we move through the show are snippets from themes that were nominated for Best Original Score. So we're giving the National, Green Day, and the like uh, a rest in this episode. Sell out. In honor of works by Mark Shaman, uh, Ludwig Gonsarin, and Alexander Desplat, among others. But uh, we have a show to get to, and this is Know Your Enemy. Shane first appeared on episode 5.1. We discussed the 82nd Oscars. 5.1. So I guess technically episode 6. Uh, but I was I was using point ones at that time if I wanted to do like not a full uh, like review and, and top 5 episode. What episode is this? Like a billion and seven? Uh, 2.15. Oh. Yeah. Feels like more. Right. <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, we learned at that time that the first film he'd ever seen in a theater was The Great Chipmunk Adventure. The last movie he'd seen <laughs> at the time was something called Way Down East. Oh, the worst. Yep. The worst movie he'd ever seen was Cabin Fever. The unseen classic or essential was John Woo's The Killer, which he has now seen and enjoys. And the films, plural, he wished he made, uh, were uh, anything to do with the Marx Brothers or specifically American Graffiti. Then, in round two, on episode 103, when we talked about The Wolf of Wall Street, we learned the film he digs that seemingly nobody else does, except the woman he married, is Trapped in Paradise. The film everybody else digs that he does not is Midnight in Paris. The film that sorta makes him cry is It's a Wonderful Life. In the movie, full blown cry now. Full blown cry. Oh, I mean, wow. not like a hot mess. No, but, but like, like a single tear. Actual, okay, all right. One actual tear. Look what happens in four years. I know. Um, the 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 in, five. It's not an Olympic. Oh, year. That's, right, that's right too. Shit. In the movie of I'm his swearing. life, he'd be played by either Peter Sarsgaard or Sam Rockwell. And the movie he was watching next was Mary Poppins. So it's time for round three. Shane McNeil, interpret this in any way you wish. What was the film that made your love of film turn a corner? This is a bogus answer, um, but but it's uh, it's not a film. It's actually a list of films. It was the first AFI list, um, and I know that's wishing for more wishes. Um, but I they released the list, 
and I realized that I had seen like the Disney movies and maybe five or ten others and felt like a complete ignoramus. And I devoted uh, an entire summer, as one does when they're 15, uh, to watching basically the entire list uh, or most of it. Um, so that really, for me, I know it's not one one list but uh, one movie, but that thing, that collection uh, set off a catalyst where I was going to Blockbuster every week in a chunk and taking out six movies at a time and, you know, just making the clerks go bug-eyed because the six movies I was picking were like 2001 and the Maltese Falcon and the Godfather and Gone with the Wind and two others that were all on this list and they were like, well, you're in for a week. So, um, <laughs> that, that's it. That's, it's, uh, it's a bogus answer, but that's, that's the answer you're getting. The AFI list it was an, an undertaking that I don't think anyone had done before. Like no. there had been the sight and sound lists, yeah, but nothing of that scope and certainly nothing that captured the zeitgeist in the way that people were really, really open to it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they rode that thing into the ground. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it was the start of it, but I think it certainly kicked things up a notch. And then, you know, certainly they, they kept doing those. And I, I wish they would do, uh, you know, their past due for a 20th anniversary list. Yeah. And I, I wish, liked, I really do wish they would. I would have liked to have seen it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting to see how those things evolve. Definitely. Well. A, a, a somewhat bogus answer, but a good answer, so I'll allow it. Uh, I don't know the answer to this question. What was your first date movie? Um, I think it was Magnolia. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I'm a real, real romantic. It was, also, it was also the second time I had seen it, because you and I saw it in yeah, theaters. Yeah. And then I think I was just raving about it to uh, my first girlfriend, and uh, she was like, well, I want to see it. And I was like, well, okay. Uh, so I think it was Magnolia. Okay. Um, so, it would have so been at like, the Scotiabank Theater, I think, maybe? Back when it was still called the Paramount? Yeah. You would have been, I'm doing the math here, you would have been 17? Uh, yeah, turning 18. Turning, uh, turning 18, yeah, yeah. in early 2000. Uh, and, uh, like, so, okay, so after you were raving about this movie... And then, and then you you sit this girl through this opus that ends with frogs raining. Yeah. Uh, were you like? Was it like so? That was a thing, or was it? Like, hey. <laughs> I don't think I got lucky, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's certainly a way to introduce yourself to someone instead of being like, "Let's go see, uh, let's go see Wild Wild West." That may have also been a date movie, but a date I didn't know I was on. There okay. were a few of those, right? So I'm gonna go with the one that I acknowledge gotcha. as a date, right? With all due respect to the people. Who you know, it might not have been a date, right? Yeah, to the people I mean, with whom I went to see Wild Wild West, Mulan, and uh, Armageddon. I, I, I mean, see, I'm 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 making fun I love of you, you girls. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of you for 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 taking your date to see Magnolia. But in the meantime, just months before that, I made a big deal about taking a date to see Fight Club, and she had no idea what she was getting into at all. But I was like, this is based on my favorite book. We really need to see this. Yeah guessing that's not your wife no that is not no i know the timeline there, there, doesn't work the, the, but i'm just gonna there, go there, there were not many dates after that let's just yeah, put it that way yeah that'll do it uh what is your sick day movie shane mcneil you know i didn't have an answer for this until this morning and uh, i woke up and sick? no not sick uh, <laughs> i mean a little hungover but not sick uh, I, I woke up and Twister was on, and I realized that I can't not watch Twister. Every time a Twister is on, I will watch it, and it's always on some bogus channel. Hey, Twister can and should be on every channel at all times, is the answer. Uh, it could be on the Weather Network. It could be on Spike. 
Uh, I, you know, I think it could be on TCM. There's not even a lot of swearing in that movie, is there? No. So, like, it, you're you're never really editing it for content, right? Oh, no boobs. No, yeah. No. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's a brisk. I think it's like two. It's almost like a little under two. It's not hours. even especially violent. Exactly, because nature is violent. <laughs> That's profound, Shane. I, well, so is Twister. Well, but why Twister? Like, your your taste in film is, let us say, somewhat highbrow. Okay, but, I mean, you let, let's bring this back to the question. But if you are home and you are, you're home because you called in bogus or you're home because you are actually sick, you probably don't want to be using your brain a lot. Uh, that's a good point. Right? Okay. And okay. Twister does not ask that of you. <laughs> At all. I mean, much. There's a little bit of science in it. <laughs> Very little bit of science. Right, well, but enough to probably put it on TLC. <laughs> Apparently. Maybe it was on TLC. The, the Fujita scale gets it there. See? I, I don't I, know. I bet you didn't know what the Fujita scale was. I'm before, sad that I know what the Fujita scale is. Because actually, of Twister. Because of Twister. Right. Yes, man. Well, I think one of these days I need to do a show on Twister. It's get, been com- get, get Yann DeBont? What's he doing? It's, yeah, clearly. It's been coming up a lot, is all I'm saying. What? It ha- I don't know why. Other people are picking Twister? No, not for that question. It's just been like in the orbit. There was a screening in oh, earlier this okay. fall. I was like, can I was, start a Twister podcast? I, I bet you probably could. I, I would love to see you try to systematically get the cast and crew. I've already got a title for it. You want to hear it? Please. Twisted Twister. Dear God. Uh, moving on. Just came up with that right now. Of course you it did. It can be workshop, though. <sighs> Shane, what's the last film to leave you speechless? Last film to leave me speechless. What is a film? To oh, leave I, 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 any I, film to leave you speechless. Any film to leave me speechless. I talk a lot. I'm um, noticing. If you'll remember, uh, the last film to leave me truly speechless would have been Cold War, actually. Mm. Um, uh, I saw it um, in the at the end of a three film day at TIFF this year, uh, and it was just like one of those like, well, this day is done. Um, so it was uh, it was fantastic, and um, I probably shouldn't say too much about it because it left me speechless. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I would talk about Cold War more, but we're going to talk about it later. Are uh, we? So we are having seen it now. I, I totally agree. I, can, I that, that it's not a stretch to be like, what that left you speechless? No, yeah. that that is a film that will leave a person speechless. Well, and I really I was surprised at how much I loved Ida because that's not the type of movie for me. Um, it's you know it's very got very subdued. Got a thing against Polish people. No, I got to think about nothing against nuns. I almost said <laughs> thing about nuns, and that's a whole. Oh, that's a whole other show. A whole other show. Uh, but you know, that's for my new podcast, Nuns on the Run, um, oh, and uh, that's going to be the thing. I'm going to have a lot of podcasts by the end of this. Um, I was surprised by how much I liked Ida, and then when I saw Cold War, I went in already expecting to be impressed stylistically because I liked what he was throwing down, and then just everything about it from the music to everything else it was just it was it was very very much my movie and it was the movie that i was looking forward to the most when i saw tiff and so it ended up delivering last but not least uh and now that i know that there's no cussing in it shane mcneil what would be a film quote that would be your epitaph i thought about this a little bit as much as one one as much as i will i don't think about things a lot apart from (laughs) podcast titles clearly um and there was a big Lebowski one that was going to go to it, but I feel like I would be doing the universe a huge disservice if my epitaph wasn't Shane come back. <laughs> you know, you have got a lot of mileage out of that quote. You know, and I, and, mis- and, and I misquote it so much because it's not come back, Shane. It's, it's Shane, Shane come, come back. back. And, and I mean, I, but, like, really and truly, you should. There is no film out there named Ryan. What, like, really, what else do I, like... 
you know, if it weren't for, like, The Walking Dead, I don't think people would acknowledge my name as a thing, you know? There was, like, one hockey player in the 80s, and he spelt it different, and then everybody spelt my name different. So, really, you know, I grew up when I was, like, six and seven, and people would be like, oh, Shane, like, the cowboy. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Right. And then, because of the aforementioned AFI list... You saw. I was like, oh, oh. this is kind of cool. So, so, uh, so, so that's what I got. This is why I thought like Logan would have impressed itself more onto you. There's that whole little sub-thread involving Shane. My name's not Logan. No, but but they talk about Shane I mean, within my name Logan. Could be Logan. I I could be Logan. <laughs> Are you Logan? Logan? I've got the sideburns for it. This is true. You've got actually you've got better sideburns. Mine just go into my beard. I don't you know like the, the only film that I get any kind of mileage like that out of is Saving Private Ryan, and it's not nearly the same. Yeah. Um, that's the, the, you have you have to. You're right. If your name is a movie, you have to just kind of milk that. And yeah, and it's just Shane like, come back with the. You know, you don't have a lot of movie quotes where it's just like the really the quote is just the person's name. Yeah. So occasionally, you know, when you just get the Shane, right, it's, right, it's you know, I I, I welcome it. We'll uh, we'll learn more about Shane whenever the next Winter Olympics roll around. Avenge um, me. <laughs> I you know I make that joke, but I am going to actually try to make a point of it to get you on before. The next time the the Winter Olympics are, are happening. All right, on with the show. We're, instead of a new slang. Oh wait, I got a podcast about bobsledding. It's what? called What About Bobsled? Oh god. We're gonna talk about Oscar nominees right after this. Come on back. So in case you're new here, uh, we talk about the uh, nominees across the top eight categories, the acting, directing, picture, and two screenplays. Uh, this year, across those eight categories, we have 15 films that are represented. Um, so kind of a small list. You're going to hear us come back to the same sort of titles over and over again. Uh, but we will begin uh, with the scripts, as we tend to do. We're going to start in Adapted. And in Adapted Screenplay, the nominees are The Ballad of Buster Scruggs by Joel and Ethan Cohen, Black Klansman by Spike Lee and his people, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me by Nicole Holofsinger and Jeff Witte, If Beale Street Could Talk by Barry Jenkins, and A Star is Born by Eric Roth and Bradley Cooper with Will Fetters. Let's start with with stars born yeah as a script i mean i i get that it's probably in there because it's a movie that got a lot of nominations and it's going to be in five different other categories so why not script mm -hmm. but it's also we're on the fourth go around with this movie yeah. how much different was this one i mean it's a nomination so i don't really i don't i can't profess to spend so much time thinking about the script nominees and there wasn't a name out there like you know it's not like Nick Hornby wrote a screenplay this year that I desperately wanted to see recognized yeah um so um you know it's fine uh it's there I, I don't think it's particularly imaginative I find it interesting that we now have to say Oscar nominated screenwriter Bradley Cooper yeah um but not Oscar nominated director Bradley Cooper right. that's a thing for later yeah um but um <laughs> Yeah, whatever. It's fine. No, I, I don't I'm, know. I don't know how much he did to it to make it a great script, right? Or or Eric Roth or Will Fetters. I mean, first of all, it took three of you to do a script for its fourth time around. Yeah, are you kidding me? 
Um, number one, and yeah, number two, it's it's an adaptation that's been done and done and done. Like I I am I am notoriously the remake guy. I'm like, yeah, remake it all. Try you, you know, try to do something new. Switch the roles. Whatever you're gonna do, like make it again. Yeah, okay. If you've made it already three times, there's one. There's no real reason to make it a fourth. Yeah. But even if you do want to make it a fourth, there's certainly no reason to laud the fourth when all of the others were lauded in their time. Barry Jenkins, Beale Street Could Talk. This is a nomination that I'm really excited by. Um, I mean, I, I, it could potentially be his second win. Um, he took a story that I have not yet read, but I probably will before the year is out, and turned it into something really lovely, really elegant. Um, Jenkins, I'm just all over. Like, I, you know, I kind of wanted a, a directing nomination for him as well. But if this is all he got, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there are worse things in the world than saying two-time Oscar winner Barry Jenkins. Well, let's not get, let's ahead, get ahead of ourselves. Of ourselves. Yeah. Um, I adored Beale Street. Uh, it was my favorite movie of last year. Um, and I'm happy. You're right. I'm, I'm happy that ba- that Jenkins is getting some recognition for it. Obviously, I would have rather it gotten a bunch of nominations. Um, but I won't. Um, I won't scoff at what it got um script particularly um i I don't i don't want to scratch too deeply on this because it was more of a feel than anything i can put my my finger on but what i actually loved the the, my my description of beale street and why it spoke to me and why i enjoyed it was that it somehow looked like a james baldwin novel Mm, the mood and everything and it felt that way and i don't know how much of that is necessarily the script or the script in con- in conjunction with how it was shot and how it was acted and its uh, gorgeous score, um, so uh, I'm 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 all for Jenkins getting any and all praise for it, um, and I'm happy that it's there. Can you ever forgive me? Uh, by Nicole Holofcener and uh, Jeff Witte. I saw this last night, and had I seen this before the end of the year, it would have made my top five. Um, holy hell, this movie. Um, based on a story that's really quite complicated Mm. um and i think you know like one seeing this last night i was like if there's anything that i want to see this go to besides beale street it would be this Mm. um and only this because i i really and truly want spike lee to get director uh but also when i saw this i was like man it's really sad that this didn't get into best picture yeah, um, I saw this probably just before the cutoff for my year end, and it did crack my top ten, somewhere in the back half, eight, nine, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it, um, and more so than I thought I would. It was one, um, it actually suffered from what I call pirate radio syndrome, <laughs> uh, which is I saw the title of this film and was like, you could, like, clearly you could have workshopped this a bit better. There, right. There's definitely a better title to be had there. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, because it just doesn't roll off the tongue, um, and it seems like I guess in hindsight the title looks pretty decent when you see the movie, but I f- feel like there could have been, you know, I guess because Ghostwriter was already taken. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but sorry to get back on track. Um, Why wasn't it called Letters to Israel? Oh. <laughs> wow, is that your pause? Is that your pause? Um, I'm happy that this is in script because it is such a wordy, because it focuses so much on writing Mm -hmm. and the performances are exceptional and we'll talk about the performances later. But um, one of the things that makes it go for me is the idea of mimicking these dead voices Mm. um, and not just 
any voices, right? You're not just saying like, well, you know, I'm going to write like Hemingway because I'm just going to make sure there's no more than seven words in any sentence. Um, the fact that she, that Melissa McCarthy, Lee Israel's uh, able to pull this off because of her ability to capture these voices and utilize them and basically abuse them, I like that that was rewarded. And again, I don't know where it fit in terms of the expected nominees versus who got nominated versus who can actually win. Yeah. I'm just going to stop at it. I'm happy it's there. I'm yeah, very happy it's there. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a surprise or really what its odds are on winning, but it's there and it's good. And I'm happy that that movie got a bunch of nominations, but especially I'm happy that that I must script. Here, I must cop to the fact that I was really, really lazy with this one. I I don't know what was holding me back. Like, nothing active. I, it, it checks off a lot. I think of, it was the title. I think it was such a bad title. Could be. And I think it was just because it was, it was always around. Like, it was up the street for me for, yeah. like, two months. Yeah. Um, I couldn't quite work it into my TIFF just because of scheduling, although, it you know, it fit that criteria, certainly. Yeah. And I just never got to it. And when I saw it last night, I, was, I felt so guilty. I mean, mm. Can You Ever Forgive Me was an apt title at that moment when I was just falling so hard in love, yeah. like, every ten minutes. Um, we're going to talk about Black Klansman a lot, so I'm just going to skip over it here. I, although, to say, I think we can both say that it's script is fantastic. Mm. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, are they just going on name recognition? I love I love the Coen brothers. I adore the Coen brothers. They are 100... This was 100%. <laughs> we know those guys. Right. Um, it was fine. Um, and, you know, look, maybe I would love to... And, I, well, sorry, we'll give it some credit because it is a very literary... Or a movie. Um, I always struggle with the fact that it became a movie when it probably would have otherwise. It was supposed to be a series to start. Yeah. Um, so I do like the idea that they were able to take all these vignettes, jam them together, and make it into something feature length. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's one of the five best screenplay or one of the five best written movies or adaptations of the year. But it is certainly interesting now that I think about it, how they were able to, how the writing of it and the storytelling nature of it is not only essential to the movie, it is the movie. Yeah. You know, it's a very... Um, I mean, it's a movie that opens and begins, like opens and, and continues with turning pages of a book. Right. right? And it's got a very oratory feel to it. You know, yeah. it's got that very, uh, you know, um, verbal, the oral tradition kind of thing to it. Um, so, you know... Isn't it's, and isn't the last chapter is somebody telling a story? Yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, in a way, you're you're rewarding a story about stories, uh, even if you are being kind of lazy in just checking off the Coen Brothers for making something. Yeah, I'm not gonna call it totally bogus. Um, I do think that they were, you know, if if they ever released the votes, I, I'm sure it would be the, the number five. Right, right. And sometimes that, you know, Meryl Streep has made good a good living off that fifth nomination <laughs> uh you know john williams etc there are people that just get in there on their name uh and if it's the coen brothers then, then fine you know there are a lot worse people that i could see in an in an adapted screenplay category and if it makes people watch it on netflix then good for them absolutely over in original we've got a lot of movies that we're going to talk about later so we'll probably be kind of quick here uh we have the favorite written by deborah davis and tony mcnamara first reform by paul schrader green book by nick uh Valalonga, Brian Curry, and Peter Farelli. Roma, written by Alfonso Cuaron, and Vice, written by Adam McKay. Green Book, Roma, and Vice are going to come up later, uh, so we'll just say 
and the favorite. And the, well, the favorite, the favorite, I kind of want to dig into. Okay. But those three we'll we'll get back to. Although you know, I guess congratulations, guys. Um, first reform by Paul Schrader. I was actually surprised that this only landed in screenplay. Uh, I kind of thought that Ethan Hawke was a done deal. Um, but Paul Schrader, uh, here's a guy who's been wandering in the weeds for like 20 years. And finally is able to write something a little bit more cohesive. Uh, you know, I know you love his, some of his earlier films. Did you see First Reforms? I did not see First Reforms. Really? Uh, oh, okay. Not through ignorance, just through actually really in the last few days of the year when I was kind of in a hurry to try and see some things to factor them into um, year-end consideration. I just lost the time mm -hmm. and couldn't quite source it quickly enough I was actually surprised that it's about what it's about. Okay. Um, like it's its core theme does not seem to jive with the whole idea of a priest having a face a crisis of faith. When when you realize why he's having a crisis of faith, it's like, oh, really? That okay? Sure. I I mean, yeah, but okay. Um, and it, I was actually really wary. Of watching it because when like the the locals were actually kind of talking it up back mm -hmm. in June, there were a lot of people were talking about it as like their favorite movie, the first half of 2018. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, why didn't I see this? What's going? What's it about? Who's in it? What's going on? And then I looked at Paul Schrader's like, ah, that's why. Uh, you know, I I've, I've been really wary of him as a director and writer for a long time. So when yeah, I, I was. It's it is very. Good. I don't know if it would get my vote for screenplay, but it is. It's it certainly it's like I mean, on the on the curve of Schrader, it's much better yeah. than he's been lately. It's not him at his best, um, but it, it's it's certainly a good story and a good film. What the reason I will go to bat, not even having seen it. The reason I was important, and actually, I think Paul Schrader might have been one of the nominations that got the best reaction from me on, on nominations morning. Yeah, is it was asinine that this man did not have an Oscar nomination. Is this his first one? Is this his first Oscar no! nomination? He did not get nominated wow! for Raging Bull. He did okay. not get nominated for Taxi Driver. He did not get nominated for Affliction. Wow. Um, okay, in that case, yeah. So let's, just just so give it let's, to him. So yeah. let's do the right thing. Yeah. Um, Spike. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, again, sight unseen, I am 100% okay. no, I mean, behind this nomination. Yeah. Um, if only for you know, let, yeah, let's it's, just stop the insanity. It is, it, and it is, it is a good screenplay. It is a very, very good movie. So, I mean, if he's if he's gonna get if he's gonna get lauded for something, it is something. You know, it's not as Titanic as those other movies, but it is. He didn't write Titanic. I know he didn't. Um, he wrote Affliction that year. Um, it is an amazing movie. So I'm happy to see him finally get a nomination. Um, the favorite. Uh, Affliction was the year after. Oh shit. The Favorite uh, by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. I mean, this was Yorgos Lathimos directing his first script that is not his. Which is interesting because it's so Bats that you would assume he had just written it. But yet not Bats enough. This is the thing that I love about this movie okay. is it comes right up to that line where you think, Here's, here we go. Here we, yeah, you know, and it just <laughs> never falls forward. And I still love it for that. Like, it is still far more strange than anybody going into it thinks they are going to see. Yeah. You know, everybody, oh, like, like, I, and that's, I can't wait for the stream. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole because I'm sure we have more things to say about this movie. Um, but I can't wait for like all the old biddies that are like, oh, the Academy Award nominations yeah. are out. This, yeah. Oh, this 10 nominations. 
I got to see this movie, and then just the barrage of C-bombs yeah. in the movie. <laughs> like, I think this deserves an Oscar just for the artful use and continued use of that word, like, uncompromisingly. Right. Um, and I, I think that's why I love the script for it so much, is that it, uh, you know, it uses his, uh, it, it uses his talents in, an, in, in a whole new way. I don't know if he ever would have written something like this himself. It, it just speaks so clearly to what he wants to do, but still just holds it back just that little, little bit, yeah. you know, to, to really kind of broaden out his audience. And it worked. Nice. We are going to take a quick break here and come back to talk about all of the actors right after this. Come on back. Alright, time for the supporting players. We will begin uh, ladies first. As they say, we have Amy Adams in Vice, Marina de Tavira in Roma, Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone in The Favorite, and Rachel Vice in The Favorite. I want to start with Stone and Vice, mm-hmm. specifically because this is a cheat. This is a movie, and we're going to come back to this in supporting actor too. Yep. This is a movie with three leads. Really yep. and truly and purely, you have two characters who are fighting for the title of the movie. Yeah. So if you want to talk about are they lead or are they not, in a movie called The Favorite, two women fighting to be the favorite must be the lead. Um, They are both incredible. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the fact that I think putting three actors from the same movie in the same category is a zero-sum game, see The Godfather, um, I would say put them up there. But it worked in The Godfather 2? Ah, that's true. Shit. Um, but I mean, both of these women, Emma Stone doing something very different for her. Yeah. Rachel Weisz doing what she does best. Yeah. Um, maybe slightly more nasty. I don't think we've ever seen her this vicious. Uh, I mean, she was pretty mean in The Lobster. <laughs> yes, she was. Uh, but I mean, that you could say that about just about anybody. Everybody in The Lobster. Yeah. Except um, for that dog. Yeah. No, th- I mean, I, I was happy to see all three of them yeah. nominated and both of them in supporting. Yeah, well, and so that's the interesting thing is, um, you know, even, it's funny because it is a cheat, but it is, uh, it's been pretty rare to um, to see three actors, uh, especially three women, um, getting nominated. Uh, and this is actually only the third time this entry that it's happened. Really? Uh, where there's been three women nominated for the same film. Wow. Uh, the, others, the others were The Help and Doubt. Um, and, um, you know, so I... I you're right. It's a cheat. Um, I don't. I, I. I. But they never would have all been in. They never would have all been in Best Actress. No, it's hard enough to get two, let alone three. Well, no one wants to do it. Yeah. You know, people, filmmakers or studios will push to have as many people as they can nominated. Period. Full stop. Um, but there is a push to only get one of them. And I actually, yeah. You know what? Maybe. I mean, here's a question. Maybe they've got this backwards. Maybe those two should be the lead and Coleman should be the support. And, you know, because... I'd follow. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah. They they seem to get more screen time than she does. Exactly. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, But there is... You're right. There is a lot of jockeying position for, you know, the Queen's favor. Yeah. But the Queen isn't 
always no, there, and the queen certainly doesn't show up. Yeah, for there's a, a lot while, of right? scenes where either Vice or Stone aren't in it, but there's almost there's a lot of scenes where Coleman's not there. Yeah. So that I mean that should kind of be your gauge. Yeah. If you've got if the queen comes and goes, but the the, the handmaidens are always around. Yeah. Kind of tells you which is the supporting and which is the lead. Yeah, they were they were fantastic, and I think this is gonna be for both of them more just. Um, it's just more going to be career building. They were, they were both excellent, um, but I don't know that there's a huge push for either of them, but I'm, no. I'm happy to both to see them both there because... I mean, they both have trophies. Well, that's the other thing. Stone quite recently, too. Yes, yeah. And, um, you know, but I'm happy they're both there because it is a movie that I would like, that I'm... It got much, much more uh, love than I thought it was going to, mm. but as I said, I'm, I'm behind it getting... Never in a million years would I have thought the favorite would have been tied for the most nominations. No, yeah, me neither. Um, Marina de Tavira was the harbinger that Roma was legit. Yeah. Um, so here's the funny thing. So uh, did you, were you, you were watching the nominations live, right? Ish. Ish. Um, because they did supporting actors first. It was yeah. the first thing they announced. Right. Uh, which took me, well, caught me off guard, but also made me super happy that I was tuning into the first bit because... I assumed that if they were doing it in two halves, the back half would be the stuff you need to know. Right. So it caught me a little flat-footed that they started with with best uh, best supporting, and she was the first name announced. So it was it did send up a flare that like oh Roma's in for a day, but I was so not like I didn't have my sea legs yet. So when I heard her name, I naturally assumed they were talking about Yalitzia. <laughs> so I thought like, oh, but I was still like, oh, good for her. Like, she was fantastic. A little weird that she's in supporting. Yeah. But good for her. Right. And then actress came around and I was like, oh, oh, oh. you know. So, um, yeah, you know, again, it speaks to how how highly everyone thinks about of Roma. Um and we'll get again. We'll get further down that rabbit hole. But I was just I was stunned that it was because I was when I when I just heard actress from Roma, I assumed it was Yalitzia. Yeah. And then I did the I did the math, and I was like, oh two, oh that's great. I believe um, I actually said, wait, which one was she? Mm. She is the mom, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's um and 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 as soon as I was like, oh, there's another nomination, I was like, well, she must have been the mom. right. Um, but uh, but great, great, absolutely. Just, um, Amy Adams and Vice. I mean, sure. I did. Yeah, I I didn't care for Vice. I like uh, Amy Adams general. a lot. I do a lot, a lot. In this movie, she's not doing anything complicated. No, and I think this could be another one of those case building things. Um, Amy Adams is one of those people that you simultaneously seems to be always there, yet is not. Uh, there have been a lot of great Amy Adams performances that didn't get nominated. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when you think that this is actually, this was her first nomination, I believe, since American Hustle. Because um, she didn't get nominated for Arrival. But that so, was just like five years ago. But think about all the oh, movies Oh, yeah, that five Amy years. Had, yeah, that's You true. know, that's five years. Like, yeah. you know, you've got... A, a, she didn't got, get nominated as Lois Lane. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, but when you think about the movies that she's been in that have garnered attention, when you think about stuff like Arrival, you think about stuff like Nocturnal Animals, where they were in the conversation, and going back to what I said about the Coens, where oftentimes there is that fifth nomination to be had, and particularly 
probably due to the lack of great work available for women, sometimes you get that in actress or supporting actress where there is three or four competitive ones and then it's just, well, we need to find a Florence Foster Jenkins to round out the field. Yeah. Um, nice pull. Yeah, well, you know, so it's, it's, it's surprising that Amy Adams doesn't have quite as much of a nominations track record, despite the fact that she has plenty. Regina King, if Beale Street could talk. I mean, I think at this point she's kind of your front runner uh, enough so. I know you're not a fan of coronations, but enough so that I would actually like to get Cuba Gooding Jr. to present this award. Um, she very much is the beating heart of this movie, yep. which is really curious to say in the way that she's a supporting player. Right, like she's not the, she's not part of the main couple in terms of like she's she's the mother of the the, the mother to be, but wow, does she show like how much talent? The, the 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 last few years of Regina King's career have been incredible to watch. Yeah, uh, because she's somebody who I dare say some people forgot about, and yet it's like no no no, I'm not done yet. Yeah, and just to prove it, let me show you what I can do with James Baldwin. This could end up being her lone Oscar nomination. Sure. And and she could and she very well could win for it and it could just be she retires with a with a 1000 shooting percentage. <laughs> but it comes back to the whole Amy Adams thing. Um so I you know it is it is so richly deserved and so undoubted. It was not at all a surprise. It would have been like I think it would have caused a uh, like a hashtag level uproar if she had been left out. Yeah. Um I feel like there should have been more hashtag level uproar for some of the movies that were left out of other categories. And I think Beale Street is chief among them. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, I think she's going to do well. And I think between her and, and Jenkins both getting nominations, it served the film well. And she's just so good. Like that, that whole scene uh, where she goes to confront um, the accuser uh, alone, you know, is, is something that, you know, that 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 scene in itself is a career. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see. I you know I I hope I, I hope this is the beginning of something new for Regina King. Like I hope yeah. th- that this is kind of the beginning of her second act, and that she she gets parts and that she produces work. Uh, I don't know. Um, but you're right. But I mean, you know. Um, but but sometimes you do need that that recognition and that one prestige thing, and suddenly. You know, if suddenly your phone starts ringing. Suddenly, if you're Octavia Spencer, you're not playing Nurse Number Seven. You're yeah. now a recognizable, bankable name, and people are giving you the work that you deserve. This is true. Over in supporting actor, we have Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Sam Elliott in A Star Is Born, Richard E. Grant with Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell in Vice. Uh, Rockwell's not going to win again, and again, we're going to get to Vice later. So we're just going to say good work, Sam, and. God bless. Uh, I do want to talk about Sam for a second. Okay, let's talk about when Sam for I, a second. When I saw the trailer for Vice, yeah. uh, I was really excited about it. And I was a little cautious because I don't love Adam McKay. But when I saw that that whole trailer was basically largely built around that one discussion where they're eating chicken and, and he's, you know, basically, you know, he's uh, Cheney is just dummying Bush into giving all his power out. And I, when I saw that film, I was like, this is going to be magnificent. Because there was an element of caricature in Rockwell's performance. But I was like... What do you like, mean Bush himself is a caricature? Right. But And this was like, <laughs> this is something that I want to sign on to see. Yeah. You know, was Rockwell doing Bush? Was Rockwell doing Will Ferrell doing Bush? <laughs> I don't know. But I was like, I am in. I am in for this. This is my jam. Yeah. 
and Sam's in it for like a quarter of the movie. If like that, right? And that's the thing, and that's what surprised me about it. What was that? It, I mean, obviously, it's the Dick Cheney story, and Dick Cheney's story begins long, long, long before he gets to the Bush White House, uh, the second Bush White House. Um, but so it's surprising. I feel like Sam, and I, I love Sam Rockwell. As I said, I would uh, in the previous podcast. Apparently, I would like. I would have liked him to play me. Um, but um, it's it's. I think he got this on the strength of being the the title holder. But it's surprising to me that he's there because of how seemingly little he had to do. Richard E. Grant and Can You Ever Forgive Me, the moment he walked into that movie, I'm like, yep. Man, e- he's so good. Uh, like, you did, you give a nomination to that ascot alone. <laughs> that. Uh, you know? So, I like he, he's magnificent. He's, he's a, a, another like, guy who's just kind of been hanging around on the fringes of... of um, film for a long time. I mean, it's been ages since Withnail and I. Yeah. Um, I, but I, that's the kind of role that you can hang a career on. You don't oh, have sure. to do anything else, right? Like, Mandy Patinkin can, he's a wonderful performer, but if he went down as Nigo Matoya, like, that's fine, yeah. right? And, and Withnail and I, that, like, that was his performance in that was, like, an all-timer. He probably could have stopped working. Yeah. But he is such a magnificent actor, and he, it's lovely to see him getting on like this is not a movie that I would have expected a supporting like I didn't really hear a lot about him in the early going I was hearing a lot about it actually in the early going and this actually is another uh, recognition of going right up to the line but not over yeah. you know he did like he's basically dared to go caricature with this char- with this role in like every third scene yeah he's dared to do it what's in this script and he never tips over that line, and that's what makes it. You know, he is like I mean, he is. But it's watching him go up to that line. That's yeah, the best part about it, right? You're just watching him. It's a, it's a car, it's a car yeah. crash in slow motion. Where you're just like, don't do it, don't yeah. do it, don't. Oh no! Yeah. And I mean, uh, so. and I mean, he stands. This category is kind of wide open. He stands as good a chance to win as any of these boys. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Sam Elliott, welcome to the party. Yeah, well stranger, overdue, man. Stranger. <laughs> he, uh, I, uh, he, his response apparently to getting nominated was, "It's about fucking time." <laughs> and what are, you told me not to curse. I know, but it's my show. The funny, the thing I love about that though is that if you read that text, you can hear it in Sam Elliott's voice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have no draw. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Sam Elliott. I feel is he's 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 criminally underutilized uh, in a lot of movies, but I think that's also partially maybe him just working whenever the hell he wants to work yeah um and he's he's so i mean it's i think it's partially because he is so noticeable you don't forget no. seeing sam elliott in a movie. or hearing sam elliott right in a movie. yeah 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 he is like he has just gotten the thing that he does down pat and he could just walk into every movie and be the stranger and he is the stranger in a lot of movies right he's the stranger in thank you for smoking He's the stranger, obviously, in Lebowski. Up in the air. Up in the air. And he's kind of the stranger in this in a way. Yeah. Right? He's like Weekend Stranger. Yeah. You know, he's just like... <laughs> weekend uh, Stranger. No, you know what I mean? Like, he's uh, he's, he, he's got to drive places. He can't just take his horse. Yeah. Um, so, I'm I'm super thrilled for him. I Again, the one thing I do love about Oscars uh, and the Academy Awards uh, nomination process, and to be clear, I am infinitely more fascinated by the nomination process than I, mean, I am Listen, winners. that is why we do this show. I couldn't give a crap yeah. who wins 
I am infinitely interested in October to January as in terms of like watching a stock market mm. and then framing that as this was the industry in this moment. Yeah, and also the fascinating procedure of going from thousands of performances to five. Yeah. Five it's, to it's, one is a chip, right? Yeah. And half the time you're right. That is where the politics and the uh, reverse logic of here's why they won. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of people that are passionate about people winning, but find me someone that told you Marsha Gay Harden was going to win an Oscar. Yeah, exactly. And then after the fact, you can go, well, here, okay, so here are the contributing factors. Yeah. Um, so to pull, for, for the numbers to come up with Sam Elliott, I, you know, it wasn't a, the biggest surprise in the world. Um, it's but, weird. He all, but he also wasn't a given. No, I mean, um, And they certainly could have... It's a surprise put, that's unsurprising. Yeah, but I mean, look, the the Academy doesn't always make the best choices. No. And his his name could have gone... His nomination could have gone to Timothy Chalamet. Um, and, and it would have been just as expected and just as fair or unfair. Yeah. It's just nice occasionally when the bounce goes the way you want it. Indeed. We have Adam Driver in uh, his first nomination, which I believe will not be his last. Uh, although, I, again, I have no idea who's going to win this category, so it could even be his win. Yeah. Um, and he's an actor. He shows up in stuff I'm interested in. Yeah. And if he's, you told me that a few years ago when he showed up in Girls, I would have been like, no. He's come a long way from Girls. I hated him so much on that show. I hated I so much about that show, but, but I hated I, him especially. I, I and now loved, I get... I loved him because of how big a skis he was. Right. right, and that's the thing. Like now, I get that he's playing a skis. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now I'm not going to go back and watch. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, well done. But again, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about with Carell, and you know, going back even further to someone like McConaughey when he reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver is working with good people. Yeah, you know, and whether that's you know uh, Noah Baumbach, and whether that's Scorsese. Uh, or um, who did um, what was his bus driver movie? Oh, uh, Jarmusch. 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 Right. I mean, he um, was he had a bit part in a Spielberg movie, right? You know yeah. how much you think he learned on the set that day? Yeah, and so he, I think he's working for the work he wants to do. Uh, well, now he's I, making Star Wars money, so he never needs to work again. Also true. I forgot about that. Um, <sighs> how can you forget about Kylo Ren? Well, it'll come up on my podcast, Kylo Ren DMC. Jesus. Um, so I am in for what Driver throws down. Yeah. Um, he's good in Black Klansman. It's interesting that I think there's something to be said, again, <laughs> for hashtag outrage that he gets a yeah. nomination and Washington doesn't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're different categories, um, but he's good. I'm happy for him. I hope it continues him looking for these kinds of roles and, and or these filmmakers looking for him. Yeah. And then we have Mahershala Ali in Green Book, which, again, he could stand to win his second trophy in three years. It is not a supporting role. Yeah, not a... Like, the, that, that was... The favorite we, we, you know, we addressed where there's three of them. Two of them are going to have to be jammed in the same category. I understand the math. I understand the logic. And I understand how you're moving the shells around to try and get them wins. Yeah. Like... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the last time there were two best acting performances in the same movie was Amadeus. Rain Man? No, Cruise wasn't nominated. No, really? No. Wow. Uh, because he was still Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. But also have some faith in your guys. Mm-hmm. Because I think Mahershala Ali gets a best actor nomination. 
I think he gets a in this class. I think he gets a win. I don't know about a win, but but I I think I think he was good enough. I think the film was strong enough, and the push behind it, it's there. Yeah. You know, it, there are problems with Green Book that we can talk about in a bit, but it's there. And they really, I just want to see just have faith in your film. Yeah. And if it forces them to pick one or the other, or if they cancel each other out and you don't get it, you know, just show some pride in two actors bouncing off each other's because those roles don't, they can't exist in a vacuum. They Mm -hmm. are both leads. Mm -hmm. They're both magnificent performances. But just jamming them, I don't know. No, it's not fair. And it's also, well, and also, like, you know, great, this is Mahershala's second nomination in three years. It could be his second win in three years. We don't know. But, you know, maybe he, I don't think he particularly cares, but, you know, maybe he gets some more opportunities if it's Best Actor nominee, yeah. Mahershala Ali. I mean, you know, he's not hurting for work. But he's not still, hurting for but work. But still, it's, and that's it's a still, you know, to him being fantastic. Hey, listen, you know, as, as much progress has been made this century, we still have far too few actors of color who have a Best Actor trophy on their shelf. Like, have, well, I mean, you could go even further to nominations, right? Like, the, yeah. You know, but I mean, like, like have I don't think we've passed one hand yet. Yeah, I don't. I can't do the quick math, but uh, certainly not in names. Maybe in terms of times it's happened, but yeah. not in terms of names. No. Sydney, uh, Denzel, Forrest, Forrest and Jamie. Jamie, and that's it. So we're still on four. Uh, moving along to best actress, we have Yelitsia Priccio for Roma, Glenn Close in The Wife, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Lady Gaga in Stars Born, and Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me? You have seen The Wife, I have not. No, I have not seen. You have not seen The Wife. I have not seen The Wife. Okay, I'm I'm curious as shit about The Wife. This really is starting to seem to me like here's an actor who has been around a long time and does something great in something that's good. Uh, if that, um, I, I, you know, I'm always happy when it's not just stacked with female actors who are 35 and under. Yeah. So, you know, good work, Glenn Close. And right now she's, she's trending up. Yeah. If, if, you know, I'd say whatever happened last night on the SAG Awards, this is going up Monday morning, whatever happened last night on the SAG Awards would probably be a, a bellwether as to what's going to happen. However, there's an actor here who's not in that. So you kind of got to throw it out. But good work, Glenn Close. We're talking about this and supporting for a long time. And I didn't really see it. But as someone who does follow the Oscars and follows the nomination process and is fascinated by that, she has been a name that's been popping up the last few years in the conversation of this person deserves an Oscar. Yeah. And I didn't really see it because her her period of dominance was before I was watching movies. Um, but there are two numbers with Glenn Close that are really that really stick out to me. And the first is that when she got when she burst on the scene, she wasn't Amy Adams. She got five nominations in seven years in the early eighties. Wow! Going from uh, I think starting with Garp and ending with Fatal Attraction, give or take. Yeah. Uh, in there is uh, The Natural, and in there is um, Big Chill. Big Chill, and I'm forgetting one. Um, and then that that run ended in '88, thirty years ago, and since then. It's been, she had one nomination. She had Albert Nobbs. And the rest of it, yeah, okay, granted, in there is, you know, some 101 Dalmatians, and maybe she's not working as much as she should. Um, or maybe she's, maybe she's picking her spots. I don't know. But I think that is one of the biggest, one of the biggest 
uh, points in her favor right now. And I think with the wife, it really feels like the opposite of the, or when not if, this is, I think, an if not now scenario. I don't know that she's going to have this kind of push behind it. So no. I'm happy that she's got the Golden Globe. I, you know, right at this point in time, I would call her the favorite. And we might as well flip to the the wild card in this category, which is Yelitia Apriccio. Again, this is another flare that Roma is legit. Yeah. Um, it is fan-bloody-tastic yeah. to see her here because uh, it was a performance that... It, like I don't think a moment in that film happens without her in it. And it's it's her first major role. It's a role of an indigenous uh, Mexican uh, woman. And it is it is a stunning thing to see and amazing to see Oscar go a little bit off book and recognize. Yeah. If not take the win, which it, it stands every chance. Yeah. Um, to certainly include it here yeah. um, is is a fantastic thing to see. Well, and look, a lot of the, a lot of the credit for Roma is rightly going to Alfonso Cuaron. Um, and I love Yalitia's inclusion because it's very much the hey, wait a second. Yeah. It's not it's not saying, you know, it's not to say that, you know, Roma getting recognized anywhere is not good for everyone involved. But her getting singled out is a really good move by the Academy and it's really, really well earned. And I do think that, you know, this is, again, it's it's a... It's a Monique-type performance. Like, we don't know what Yelitsia is, if she's ever going to act again, or if she's going to get a lot of roles, or if she's going to wind up just showing up in a lot of Quaron movies, or what. I have no idea what the next phase of her life is, and I think that is completely irrelevant right now. But she's just trending so hot right now that anything is really possible, and that is great that she is now, you know, seemingly in the last week, getting a lot is 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 showing up as the one that did a lot of not all the heavy lifting but did a lot of heavy lifting to make this the movie it was and so Absolutely. recognition of that is great yeah and and is like i mean this is this is this is kind of her peaking at the right time you know if she yeah. had of come up in sag or if she had been like was she up for a golden globe i can't recall no. No. So it's like if she had been up for those and kind of won one or two of those, and it would have been like, well, she's always kind of hanging around and she's always kind of winning things. But it's like you haven't been mentioned in any of those, and now you are. Yeah. And it's not because people didn't see all of those other movies because Roma keeps coming up. But this is a sign that this could be, you know, you're get you're being handed the ball with ten yards to go. Yeah. Um, Olivia Coleman. Uh, I feel bad because for a minute or two it seemed like it might be her, and I, and, and I can't say that it still might be hers to win. Um, but I am happy to see her. This was yeah, this category. I mean, this is truly. Like, I'd love to just are, see her get up there and thank her bitches again. There are a lot of there are a lot of of possible outcomes here. I love and, the you know uh, what I love this category top to bottom, really and truly. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can talk about that Gaga isn't doing anything amazingly complicated, but even just seeing her and how she's captured on film in this in this movie is is cool but like this is this is a wonderful cross section yeah. of different roles from different places and different lives that I I do like as a as a gathering of of people yeah and going back to Coleman I she's someone who I enjoy every time she oh, pops yeah. up I mean she'll always she'll always be uh, Malar from uh, Broadchurch uh, for to me um, I always think of her from Tyrannosaur and it, it, it's she's exceptional yeah. Um, and, and, and again, you know, going back to roles for actors that are not in their that are not in their early thirties and twenties, 
I'm, I love that we live in a world where Olivia Coleman can do the work she does and get recognized for it. Um, and she was exceptional. And, and it's, you know, there are times when she really is doing the heavy lifting where she's being the, the capital Q queen and being regal. And then there's, you know, something as simple as, do I look like a badger? <laughs> Let's talk a minute about Gaga. Sure. Uh, like, she's done some small stuff with like, Robert Rodriguez, and she did uh, a, a, a American Horror Story. But this is the kind of first time she's really doing something big where she's got to do the lifting. Um, is she just kind of playing a version of herself, or is she doing something more here? Uh, that's a tough That's a tough call because she starts as very not Gaga and then becomes Gaga by the end. Right. Uh, obviously by design of the script. Um, it's it's strange. I have a fascination uh, with um, singers acting. Yeah. Um, and and it's tough to. It's not something you know. Share notwithstanding, it's not something the Academy especially loves. And you think about a lot of the performances that got close, but you know, bungled a nomination. To go back to your analogy, at the goal line. Yeah. You know. Oscar history is littered with Bjorks and Courtney Loves and Madonnas, etc. Um, so, I think I think the movie, this movie, was stronger across the board, and I think a lot of what got Gaga in there was the momentum of how well received the movie itself was. Mm-hmm. She's helped by how strong the field is. Yeah, because yeah. you probably don't need, you know, you don't need fifty percent of the vote at this point. You probably only need about a quarter of them. Yeah, yeah. You need like you. You literally need twenty one, probably. Well, maybe not twenty one, but you know, yeah. like if 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 Coleman and Yalitzia and Close and, and we still Gaga, haven't even got to McCarthy, right? Uh, who is fantastic, and I think maybe end up maybe ends up becoming the the the, the forgotten woman in all this, which is a shame. It is she, a shame. again, like what we're saying with Carell. She's doing something that she doesn't normally do, showing. That she's more than just being loud and falling down and being <laughs> gross, you know, that that here's I mean, which is amazing because here's a person who came up as a as a comedian in the groundlings. Yeah. Right? And and kind of broke in her career a little later than a lot of actors break in their career and shows, hey, you know what? When you strip like when you give me something where I've got to be much more subdued, you know, yeah, you can hand me the same sort of thing that you used to hand Robin Williams and Tom Hanks and all these other comedians after it's like they wanted to stop being funny and try something a little harder. You can hand that to me too and I will knock that shit out of the park. Yeah. When you really break it down, it's a, it's an amazing class yeah. that I'm really happy. So mirroring that amazing class of women, we have a boring-ass class of men. Uh, Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Did you see At Eternity's Gate? I didn't. I did not either, so I will uh, We'll just say yay Willem. We have, uh, you know, we have Viggo for the Green Book. Not the Green Book. There's no, the there's Green no, book. for Green Book, it's cleaner. There's no the there's no the. title? No. Um, I mean, to a Chinese food the, 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 the running joke this week was this is Viggo's first nomination where he doesn't show his schwanz. Uh, so maybe, you know, now he, he shows that he doesn't have to, he, he doesn't have to take his clothes off to be a serious actor. Um, I, I love Viggo. I really do. I want to see Vigo holding a trophy. 
I'm going to be feeling really gross if he's feeling if he's holding a trophy for this. Also, if he's holding a trophy for this as lead, because come the holy shit on. Yeah, look, I think um, Vigo's rolling the ball uphill on this one. I when I saw Green Book at TIFF, I watched it and you know I enjoyed it. Uh, by that point, it had already won People's Choice. Vigo was very good in the movie and I and and Vigo again is one of those guys that sooner or later I think will 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 get his way into it and maybe this is the year the thing the biggest thing working against him is that it's turning out surprise surprise that Nick Villalonga maybe was a piece of shit yeah um and and is um and that's not that's never helpful uh and you know um so Vigo do his Vigo things but um, I don't. I for a while it looked like he had a really good good run in it, and weirder things have happened. Yeah, but um, there, there, there's nobody in this category that I can say definitively stands a chance of of absolutely positively beating him. So it's still entirely possible. Tell me how this one rolls off the tongue. Seven time Oscar nominee Bradley Cooper. Uh, um, Seven Oscar nominations for this man. Yeah, I mean, he's a uh, he's an interesting character because he's come he, another guy. He's come a long way since Wedding Crashers. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I you're right. Seven nominations seems p- preposterous. Yeah, um, in a rather short amount of time too. But he's doing. He is buddying up with the right people, right? Yeah. Buddying up with O'Russell and buddying up with Clint, and now having the the rep to do this on his own you know good for him i guess he's he's building a really strong brand and he's becoming bankable yeah you know and not just and he's still getting marvel money and not just i was gonna say and not just from a monetary sense <laughs> yeah. but he's he's doing good work but that's what i'm saying like right now he doesn't need to do a whole lot because he's getting comic book bank yeah you know without even going on the set by the way um, so yeah. it's 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 crazy that you know here's a guy who you thought was just going to be that douchebag from from Wedding Crashers who's yeah. actually he's like let me try just a little bit I'll be like I mean I don't I think he can actually even try harder yeah. and get some roles and projects that are a little bit more interesting than American Sniper yeah. and that you know we might just be seeing the beginning of something uh, I don't you know again he stands as it stands as good a chance as anybody in this category because it's just a wide open cluster cuss. Yeah, now I, I, I'm i going to skip ahead a little because we're going to talk about Best Director, but I, f- I feel better with him being in Best Actor with him not being in Best Director. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, 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 th- I thought A Star is Born was just okay. Yeah. And I am I'm fine with him being there in acting because of the inertia that he has built with him just always being there. My entire opinion of this movie and his involvement in this movie would have been a bit pricklier if we had been dealing with Oscar-nominated filmmaker Bradley Bradley Cooper. Cooper. You know, the interesting thing about it is, like, let's think about the historical precedent of if he had got best, Best Director, you know, if you're... If you're getting a Best Actor and Best Director nomination for your directorial debut, yeah, you're in Orson Welles territory there, which is bananas, right? Yeah, 
because I don't know if Costner got nominated for Dances with Wolves for actor. Uh, I don't know, but I, I mean have that's the probably interval. a better comparable to what we got um, here. Um, but it's not something that's happened a terribly large amount of times. Costner was up for best actor. So there you go. Holy Hannah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Rami Malek. I know you do not watch Mr. Robot, but Rami Malek is an amazing actor mm. uh, doing a pretty good impression yep. in a pretty shitty movie yeah. that has managed to capture the right amount of people's attention at the right time. Yep. Um, he's going to do a lot more amazing things with his career. Um, Maybe. Uh, he's very young. Yeah. Um, and can do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we, we when we were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody before, we were talking about the fact that, first of all, there's a role that at one time had Sasha Baron Cohen attached to it, and I believe that would have been a better performance, for starters, um, if for no other reason than getting a Brit to play one of the most iconic Brits of the 20th century, mm-hmm. um, and that neither one of them would have dared open their mouths to sing. Yeah. Um, I like that it's here. I like that he's going to get attention. Uh, again, stands as good a chance as anybody to win. Um, but it's just such a messy thing in general. He won the hand with not with not the greatest cards. No, no, um, and and yeah, and, and again, he like he elevated this movie. Yeah. For sure, he yeah. elevated this movie because this yeah. is a movie that almost seems designed to fail when you're trying to get. A, a cinematic, you know, embodiment of somebody so iconic. Yeah. You're just daring it to miss. And and you know what? And and it's it it, it builds momentum because it starts off and you're like, whoa, those teeth, yeah, and those costumes, and you're just like, oh, I don't know about this. And then you get to Live Aid and you're like, well, there it is. It's no perfect because I watched Live Aid on New Year's Day and. It, that you know what he did there it's physical it's tough you're right they never would have dared him to sing but you know also a lot of the performers that do these kinds of roles don't sing yeah uh you know and no one and no one held that over jamie fox nope uh, you know enjoy your career remy it's yeah. it's off to a gangbuster start um then we have christian bale um a guy who's done so much so fast who's been around for so long who now just seems to show up and he gets nominated. Yep. Uh, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> the reason the reason Vice is a thing is because of Christian Bale. Yeah. I will go out and say that. I'm not an Adam McKay believer. No. Um, and, you know, again, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting in the big short was Christian Bale. Uh, a lot of people were carrying a lot of water in that one for, for McKay. And this one, it's very, very much the Christian Bale show. Yeah. And obviously, you know, ask ask Robert De Niro how much gaining 50 pounds and a bunch of makeup can do for your career. He's like, again, every time Christian Bale wins an award, you know, you see him stride up to the stage on the Golden Globes and you're like, yeah, you're great. Yeah. You're, you're something everyone can get behind. And if he wins for this, and he might... I have less problem with it. Um, the, again, the biggest, not unlike Vigo, the biggest detra- detractor from Bale and his chances are Dick Cheney. Yeah. And him being, you know, the, the glory in his performance, and he said it at, at his Globe acceptance speech, is this is not a good human. Yeah. And this is not an attempt to make a good human relatable no. or nice yeah. or fun. or He's just a piece of garbage. And, you know, 
just Bale just dives headlong into the bag. Yeah. In a Trump era, do we want to be smirkingly looking back on a monster Mm -hmm. when we've got one right in front of us? I do not know. So here, then, so here, to wrap, are we done with this category? Is there someone else? No, he's the last guy. So here is my bold prediction. Is that Remy's going to run up the middle. In terms of the weight of the performances, pardon the pun, Bale and Vigo are the pillars of this one, especially because their movies just on the whole were better rewarded. Yeah. I think people are going to look at those and look at Rami as being uncomplicated, but also something very, very difficult, a really high degree of difficulty. Yeah. And I think this is one where if he wins, and I feel he might... It's going to be one where someone's going to want to see the stats. Could be halfway towards an EGOT. All right, that's a lot of talking. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with picture and director right after this. Here's where things get interesting. Best Director, we have Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Yorgos Lathimos for The Favorite, Alfonso Cuarón for Roma, Adam McKay for Vice, and then Pavel Palakowski for Cold War. Sometime in the past, I cannot remember when, sometime in between 2009 and now, I asked you, so we used to have five Best Picture nominees, and then you kind of get this sixth film nominated for director you know in the spike jones uh uh david jones memorial david lynch sort of way yeah and and i said do you think we'll ever see that again and you said in an era where you're going with an expanded field and you still manage to tack in a ninth tenth eleventh what have you film into director not picture what the holy shit are you doing yeah and now here we are so let us begin with Pavel in Cold War, which yep. we are both huge fans of. Yep. And holy hell, how the heck did this happen? Um, here's, 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 I don't, <laughs> look, I like to retroactively make myself a genius. Um, <laughs> this didn't surprise me. Really? This did not surprise me. This is something that a few bold predictors actually had. Okay. So I was chuffed when I saw it. Um, and the real thrill was when I looked back over the names and was like, oh, Bradley Cooper's not there. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, you know... And Peter Farrelly's not I there. kind of understood Peter Farrelly not being there because he will, rightly or wrongly, forever be the guy that did Dumb and Dumber. Um, but he still got a nomination for writing, so yeah. good for you, Pete. Um <laughs> Pavel didn't surprise me, and the movie is so stunning and so unique and a very singular vision that it is the David Lynch kind of thing. You know, it is the Mulholland Drive of this is a little too much of a thing outside of our comfort zone for it to even have probably entered the general idea of Best Picture. Yeah. For it to stick a Best Director nomination... Like I'm, I'm really thrilled by it. Yeah. I really am. I'm, you know, again, I don't think he wins. I think this category is done. Yeah, but um, I'm happy for Pavel. 
I would I was looking at this the other day as a bit of an Oscar maniac, and I started looking back through movies that got nominees for best director, and there are some in there that you're like, because you you know the ones that line up. It's always the the Mulholland drives that you go, huh? And one that stuck out to me that I haven't seen was the original La Cage aux Fall. Oh shit! Got a best director nomination. I didn't realize that until just this week. Huh. So I'm sure. If I had the notes in front of me, I'm sure it's happened. Um, but not often. Not often. And I'm all for it because, yeah. you know, this was such a good year for foreign films and foreign filmmakers mm-hmm. that Pavel being in there, three nominations for Cold Works that got in there for cinematography, um, all the love for Roma, Never Look Away getting in there for, uh, for best cinematography as well. There was a lot of love for, for foreign films, and I'm, I, I welcome that because... If we're going to expand the film, or if, if the idea for the Oscars, and especially the idea behind the cockamamie more than five best picture nominations thing is to shine a light on more films, mm-hmm. then let's do that for films that aren't in English. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, what I have, you know, to 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 bring people into our uh, Sunday evening conversations, there, there has been a, a divide for nine years now between Shane and I on expanding the class, because I have gone tooth and nail to say... This is good in the way that it brings films like Winter's Bone to people's attention. A smaller movie to people's attention. I believe the Oscars actually got themselves into a weird little uh, twist because they did it to get a possibility of attention to larger, uh, more fan-friendly films. Mm. Um, And yet it seemed to generally work backwards in that it got films like an education into the conversation when it wouldn't have before. Shane's contention is, well, that's all well and good, but now that you've made it more than five, it's generally meaningless to have that little sticker on your, on your Blu-ray box. And you folks can argue amongst yourselves about which one of us is correct. Uh, Spike Lee is best so, director so, for sorry. the first time. No, hold on. We're going to, we're going to, so we're going to, no, 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 we'll get to that. We're we'll, going out of order because the point, and it very, very much, it dovetails perfectly out of Pavel. Okay. Pavel's not the surprise. Isn't he? Yorgos is the surprise. Well, I mean, they're both a surprise. No, 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 no. Really? Because, you know, like, they're both people who, if you told me that they would be possible, I'd say, yeah, okay, sure. Both? Uh Uh-uh. Right. And, And this is the thing. I don't think Pavel took Bradley's nomination. I think Yorgos took it. Probably. And that, to me... Again, you know, going back to the, my elation at Paul Schrader's name being there, Yorgos was like an immediately like, Yorgos! <laughs> yeah. um, Spike Lee's got his first nomination as director. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, which, welcome back to the party, Spike. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to see him win this. I don't think he will. Uh, but I would, I, would lo- I would love to see him win this just to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Because I'm sure he does. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and, and well-earned. And that's the thing. I think going, going all the way back to the writing categories, I think that, is, that has become a place where they can reward filmmakers that do their own writing. Mm-hmm. I think Spike will win. I think Spike will win for script. That would be nice. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a Ben Affleck scenario, or not Ben Affleck, a George Clooney scenario, where when he gets his trophy for, for, for when Spike, if Spike were to win for screenplay, yeah. He might, I would just leave the building. Yeah. You know, because I'd just be like, well, that's my, you know, that's, that's my that's achievement my award yeah. for the night. Yeah. I, I can, I can you know. take a seat. Yeah. Thank you, Cleveland. Good night. Um, but Spike, you know, 
yeah, yeah it's it's nuts that Spike hasn't been nominated uh, as a as a director. Um, I'd love to see it happen. Um, one of the things that in the early going I thought may have been a possibility, and I shared this with you before, was this this category could have been just loaded with African American directors. Oh yeah, because Spike is there. Barry Jenkins could have been there. Ryan Coogler could have been there. Steve McQueen could have been there. Steve McQueen could have been there. And that would have been something that was a necessary step for the Oscars. The Oscars at a certain point has to explain why a filmmaker of color, specifically a black filmmaker, does not have an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Academy is not one for issuing explanations or apologies anyway. No. But, you know... Again, when you want to, if you want to inspire some hashtag level rage, yeah, it it's a coming. Um, Adam McKay is here for Vice, and we'll talk about him in picture just because I've got things to say about that, but I want to move on. And then we have Alfonso Cuarón, um, who I think if you're laying money down, uh, you might as well put it on Alfonso. We you're not going to make any money on Alfonso. No, no, it's it's even odds his, at best. His no, his odds are negative. You are not like, <laughs> um, listen, you know. There are there are worse things in the world than the fact that, assuming he takes this, he will take this. That five of the last six best directors have been Alfonso Cuarón, Inuritu, and Del Toro. Yeah, and I just want them to keep rolling this train as long as possible. Just keep saying who's got next. Yeah, Mexico, baby. Yeah, um, you know they are they are three filmmakers who, besides the fact that they are personal deep friends just continue to do great things big and small i mean he's been sitting on the sidelines since gravity yeah you know what's weird here's here's what i want to ask there's my conspiracy theory you notice how they're never competing against each other no yeah like well, maybe okay well, I mean, i'm sure they have they, they have they, in the same year yeah but one is like clearly the do you lead. think they have a schedule i think so probably right? i think they talk about it over dinner well and now and now just... now what i want to know is who buys dinner like if he gets this one does it go back to guillermo because he's only got one like i thought it was guillermo would... for the longest time because he didn't have any and then he got one, i think so... you're thinking of this backwards i think inurito has been buying since the revenant because he's got the pair <laughs> okay yeah, I think okay. now yeah, finally, you rich guy, you've got I think, two. Yeah, I think finally now they're gonna like he turns back to Quran and says, you know, yeah, you and get that's the check. other thing is like I think Quran also had one for editing Gravity as well. Oh yeah, so we're just talking like that's just strictly direction. Best. That's just yeah. direction. Yeah, like I wanted somebody to do the math and show me how many trophies they all have because this is the other thing, and I hope this happens and it has started to happen is. What happens when they start working together? Oh, and they I can't will, wait. and they and they, and you know they do occasionally from time to time write or produce together. Yeah, and obviously they're never going to make a like there's never going to tandem a film because a vision is a vision is a vision. But like, you know, this is a, this is a really, really, I'm all behind this oligarchy right now, <laughs> and you know, like it's just it's it's impressive. And I bristle at dominance in general. Yeah. You know, I've never, <laughs> I've never been a Yankees fan or right. a Patriots fan or anything like that. You know, it certainly got boring when Tom Hanks or Denzel or whoever was getting nominated every damn year. I've made my thoughts on Bradley Cooper. Yeah. If these guys want to win nine of the tech, the next ten awards, I am there for it because the films are so good. They're so different. They're so good. They're so different. And, you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, if Alfonso walks away with 
how many can, can he walk away with four? He's got he can walk away with at least three because foreign four director is and I think cinematographer. I think he's his own cinematographer. Uh, uh, he is. Uh, let me see if he's his best editor. I didn't get an editing nomination. No. Yeah. Oh, weird. That's that was actually okay. like my early. But he, he can of... he could walk away with as many as four. And Which, did he produce? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. It's in, it's insane, and it's wonderful. And hopefully, um, and look, take them all. Yeah, absolutely. If, if that's what happens, great. Okay, so I want to see the Michael Jackson armful of Grammys. <laughs> me for me too. Me too. Um, over in Best Picture, we have Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. Okay, so let's dig into Vice. I don't know who this movie is for. It is clearly not for conservatives. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, it, I'm sure it's no secret, as somebody who is generally liberal, it's not even for me. Yeah. It tells me nothing I didn't already know. It's, it's no more clever or worse than a really good bit on Last Week Tonight... And yet, so much time and money went into it, and it's been so lauded. Yeah. Why are we just so eager to rally around recent history in a way that, once again, paints it as, this dude was bad? Yeah. I don't understand this. And this comes back to my Adam McKay comments. This vehicle as the Christian Bale show? Yeah. I get yeah, I get the I get the love and respect for that. And to be clear, I got Big Short. Yeah, I didn't love it. Yeah, I didn't love but, Big Short, but, but I, understood. I got what he was trying to do and and how he was trying to do it. This and it was one, telling a necessary story that I don't think a lot of people really understood. Yeah, this I don't get. Yeah, and and look, and here going back to what you were talking about in terms of the five v eight nine ten um, class conversation. Yep, this is a five. Like this, you think this one's in a this five. movie is. Think nothing. It's it hit every it hit every mark. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not that it's lauded. It's that yeah. Lauded. If if we're if we're gonna think about what the three weak links are here, it's not Vice because no. it got it hit every category that it should have hit. It hit editing, right? Yeah, you know. So it's certainly the most edited movie. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. I don't. I didn't think it was particularly good. No. I wanted it to end when it fake ends. <laughs> I was like, "Great, we're out." Oh, no, we're not. Well, that was a brisk hour. Yeah. Um, no. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it either. It's I, there. I don't have to like it. Yeah. It's it's not gonna win. No. So it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's the old uh, it's the old Monty Burns quote: "He's evil, but he'll die." <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about Dick Cheney too. Yes. Um, um, so whatever. Vice is there. Maybe more people see Vice. I've been actively cautioning my friends and loved yeah, ones everybody to not I'm, see Vice no, because me too. it's not. There are it's just so much better uses of your time and money. Yeah, but Vice is there. Yeah, and in Vice and and it's important and it's important to notice to note this. Vice would have been there in five. Yeah, um, you know, and that's no, that's the bigger question: yeah. is not no, only did it get in there, it got in there hard. Absolutely. And safe. Nobody at all is surprised at A Star is Born being there. I think that was kind of a done deal by the time it premiered in Venice and Toronto. Yep. Uh, if anything, I think the surprise is that the star has fallen because for a while there it was looking like it had every chance as any to win Best Picture. I don't think that's quite so clear now. 
Uh, Roma being there, I'm tickled. I really thought there might be this strange anti-Netflix backlash, which could still materialize. Yeah. But I think with all those other markers that we talked about, with the two acting nominations and with the directing nomination, I'm really happy that it's here. I would love to see this be finally the time that a foreign film can get over the line. Yeah, 91 years. How Yeah. How have we not done this yet? No. Um, I still don't have the confidence in the voting body. Anyone looking at this objectively should say, well, this is a layup. This is, in, on paper, this should be Roma's to lose. Yeah. I don't think the Netflix thing is as big a deal as you do. I think there is some backlash towards, sure hope it, not. towards it in the industry, but I think that's more on a distribution level. I think the filmmakers, and by that I mean everyone involved in the procedure of filmmaking, the people that are voting on this award, yeah. these awards, but especially this award, doesn't have a beef with Netflix because they're still paying all their actors. Yeah. And look, you know, I, I had this conversation with, with a friend of mine. We were talking about Cineplex and how Cineplex, uh, for all of our non-Canadian listeners, Cineplex is Canada's movie uh, monopoly. They own 98% of the theaters in the, in the country. And me being a business guy, Cineplex stock is shit. Yeah. It has gotten hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered. And a friend of mine was saying, like, how is this a failing business model? It's a monopoly. Yeah. And I said, the, they're not competing against other film, uh, film distribution, like um, exhibition uh, houses. They're not competing against other theaters. They're competing against the internet and video on demand and Netflix. And I think that is going to... I don't know how many people are concerned with so concerned with their work that they are going to not work at Netflix because they can't see their face 30 feet high yeah. or it's harder to see their feet 30 feet their face 30 feet high yeah so i don't think it's an industry concern from the artistic level i hope because not. i think it's more jobs and these movies are going to get more seen because people don't have to go out to see them no this is a hard one for a lot of people it's a hard one for a lot of people but also to the point, I don't see how it falls down below three. If it's not, sure, yeah. maybe it's not your number one. I don't know how it, it when you gather in the votes from whoever's knocked out at eight and the votes who remembers knocked out at seven and you redistribute them, I don't know how this isn't number two or three on those ballots. I don't I, I don't see it falling down that far. But the it's question, not a mercurial movie where you well, either really love it or really hate it. Because I think there are a lot of people that aren't gonna give it the time of day. There are maybe. a lot of older voters that are maybe more pleased by Green Book. Maybe. And, they they and culled a, and a lot of those, And though. A Star is Born. Right, but again, so now Green Book and A Star is Born aren't in Best Director, so are they going to get the Affleck bounce? Are I people going to want to galvanize and rally no. behind? Maybe not. I think that was because people liked Ben, really. No, I, and we've had this conversation too. Argo, if you look back at it, like in terms of what it did in the precursors, Argo was a no-doubter. Yeah. Argo was a Schindler's List level, like, there is clear-cut number one. Mm -hmm. It was American Beauty. It was Lord of the Rings. Because it won everything. Yeah. It's just that Ben didn't get a nomination. Yeah. These, obviously, movies are not in the same category because they're not, you know, sometimes they're, they're just not. But, you know, Green Book, Green Book won the producers. Yeah. Well, right? producers are idiots. So that's the thing. Does Roma win six, seven, eight awards? Probably, possibly. Does it do that and not win Best Picture? Also, also possible. possible. 
Um, Black Klansman is here. I'm really surprised. I'm, I'm happy to see it. I didn't think it was trending quite as high as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a movie where there were, in a year where there were so many great movies by and about people of color, I'm, I'm certainly happy to see this one here uh, because it, it is it is far better than it has any right to be. You know, like Spike's been making this kind of movie very regularly yeah. over the course of his career. I mean, he's a guy, he's really just in it for love of the game. He does not care about making money. He just goes out there like Prince and makes his thing <laughs> every year. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm going to do another one next year. Maybe you'll like that. So the fact that he was able to get back to the show uh, with Black Landsman is something that's really good to see in a really good year for this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then we have Bohemian Rhapsody, and we need to talk about this. Um, I I gotta tip my hat to I gotta both tip my hat and flip my finger to Fox at the same time for getting this film to this point, because holy shit, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And it is surrounded by just so much poison. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so much poison yeah. that is only getting more and more poisonous as time ticks on. Um, I, I would be stunned if Brian Singer is at the awards. No, they don't want him there. They don't want him there. And that is unbelievable to see that you are going to put a film up there, um, that, you know, hey, it, it got nominated. It's got, it's got as good a chance as friggin' Green Book or Vice to actually take the trophy. It is possible that you could have a film awarded Best Picture and not have its director on hand. Not have its director not, on and not hand. By, and not, not, not by choice. Basically attached. That film's basically gotten Alan Smithied. Yeah, but everybody knows. Right. So you know, look. I guess the benefit for Bohemian Rhapsody is you have a Brian May who's a very noticeable and classic figure that you can trot out as the face of the film from a production end mm-hmm. and Brian May I'm sure very gladly is doing a lot of the heavy lifting and the glad handing for something that otherwise may have been Brian Singer um, why it's there I don't know can it win sure yeah yeah you know why because nothing matters anymore well but you know but, why because but... because Vice and Green Book are here too yeah. You know, films of equal eh, are here as well. So, yeah, that, that stands as good a chance as any. Uh, and then we have Black Panther. Yeah. So, you know, we're baseball fans. And we finally got the unanimous Hall of Famer out of the way. Mm-hmm. So now we can just go on with life. And maybe there will be more. Maybe there won't. But we've got that checked off. And now we have a comic book movie that's been nominated for Best Picture. And now we can move on, and maybe that'll happen again, and maybe it won't. And listen, I've gone on record all year long as saying, I would like a comic book movie to be up for Best Picture. I didn't want it to be this one. Hmm. And not because I think this movie is bad, just because I think it it does what comic book movies are out there to do. Um, I love that it's a comic book movie of representation, that it's not fronted by a white boy named Chris, mm-hmm. that it's a director of color, but just I just thought it was it was great. Um, it wasn't transcendent. Right. Is what and, and and to be clear, I didn't think Wonder Woman was transcendent either. There are a very small handful of them that I believe are transcendent. Yeah. Uh, and yet here we are. So uh, I, I, I await with bated breath, what do you think? Here's my here's my heel turn. Okay. 
This is the first time I've ever been glad that there are more than five nominations. Okay. I'm happy that Black Panther is there. Yeah. I do not like comic book movies. Right. I am not the target demographic. I go into every comic book movie kind of expecting to hate it. <laughs> right. And I still only see probably a third of them. Yeah, which is, which is cool. Um, Black Panther is there because it was a behemoth. Mm-hmm. It's there. And this goes back to what I talked about with the expanded field. Mm-hmm. You said it's a great opportunity for the winter's bones and the educations of the world to get this nomination. And my counterpoint was, you know, getting two or three nominations in acting and writing categories is the same weight for this film as losing best picture. Yeah. Cause they were never even within a country mile of winning best picture. And I think black Panther's in the same boat. I don't think there's any realistic expectation that it'll win best picture. Right. But it made a buttload of money. Yeah. And it, you know, proved that you can do a superhero without a white guy named Chris. Or, hey, any slash many white guys at all. Yeah. And that is key, and that is huge, and that is crucial, and I'm happy that is there for that reason. I still don't like nine, eight, nine, ten best pictures. The day that they go back to five, and mark my words, they will go back <laughs> to five, I will celebrate. Right. But... This is one of the few times that it's been good. And that's what I found more, is that a lot of the time, the movies that are getting the bounce of the extra nominations are films like Black Panther and Bohemian Rhapsody that are making a buttload of money. And mm-hmm. that is what they were trying to include. They're tr- not, not education. Not an education. Or not a serious man. Yeah. Or Beasts of the Southern Wild. Those weren't the kind of movies that they were worried about. It was a way to try and get these movies in. And, and, and... Black Panther coming up the gut with this one and it was you know whether it would have been in the five I don't know but there was never any doubt that it was going to be in the eight or nine or ten I was I was braced for it I really thought it was going to miss the the thing about Black Panther is it is a cultural landmark that that is no doubt as much as I believe that as a story it's it's just really good and not necessarily great it is a a very very high mark on the zeitgeist Um, that that is good that it's recognized because we used to recognize this shit. We used to recognize Star Wars and we used to recognize the musicals that made a lot of money and were really popular and were the comic book movies of their day Mm. because that was what the studios were cranking out and that's what the audiences were going to see. We used to recognize this stuff and then we just stopped and we said, well, if it's popular, it can't be taken seriously. And now they're taking one of these seriously and it's we can all get... You know, we can all just get back in our seats and go on, and maybe this will happen again, and maybe it won't. Um, but it's, it, you know, it kind of like, like Lord of the Rings. A fantasy film got nominated again, and all of the tabletop gamers were happy, and now yeah. they can go back in their box. It's so, kind of come full circle on itself, because let's not forget that this expanded field was directly because of The Dark Knight. Yeah. So maybe we've finally achieved that objective. But going back to what I said earlier as well is making sure Black Panther is in there, which... I don't think, you know, I think that was a byproduct of the eight or nine. I don't yeah, think that's it would have been five. one of the five. But again, that does more good for the Academy than they probably deserve. And again, did prevent hashtag outrage. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take another break. We'll be back with some trends uh, and some topics right after this. Come on back.
I do not care for the word snub when it comes to Academy Awards because I believe a snub is not something that 1,500 voters, or not even 1,500 voters, but several thousand voters are capable of all getting together and doing at once. I usually just call it omissions. Was there an omission uh, when it came to the nominations that surprised you? Um, surprised, yes. I didn't think that they had the, I didn't think that, that, the machine had it in it to leave Bradley Cooper out of Best Director. Mm. And I'm happy for it. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a snub because I didn't really think he deserved to be in the fray. And I'm much, much happier with Yorgos and Quaron and, and uh, Pavel being there. Um, I think that was the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't... I'm not the type to rally super hard around a film, especially when it comes to a nomination. Mm-hmm. I always think they're nice but it's rare that I queue up the old outrage machine and, and, and yell and scream about something that didn't get put in there. Right. Because I do acknowledge, like I said, what makes it fascinating for me is going from thousands of things to five. Yeah. And a lot, and sometimes that's six, and sometimes the person in that number six deserves better. You know, sometimes you're Amy Adams in Arrival, and you go, you know, you probably should have been in there. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you're... Cameron Diaz in Being John Malkovich where it's like this was a nice performance but maybe Oscar nominated Cameron Diaz isn't something we super need in the world yeah with all due respect to Cameron Diaz I love that movie I love her performance I like her embracing of her general goofy self Mm -hmm. Um, and there's politics behind that but you know I don't really tend to jump up and down and scream about who's not there yeah I think the only one that really surprised me in terms of how it was really... Okay, so th- there's two films, actually, that are that kind of go hand-in-hand hand because of who's behind them. One surprised me uh, in a good way, one surprised me in a bad way. That they, they, they didn't get quite as much love as I anticipated them to get. And that is First Man and If Beale Street Could Talk. Okay. If Beale Street Could Talk, I mean, it's got three nominations. One, great, wonderful. I'm happy that, that he's still getting nominated and that his projects are still getting nominated. But that seemed as though it could be a movie that could have been more. It seemed like a movie that could have got into a Best Picture conversation, certainly into a Best Director conversation, a lot more below-the-line categories than are... Um, than, it, than it's got. I mean, it's a handsome movie. Yeah, and I really don't know what the buzzkill was on that because it just, it seemed to have some momentum coming out of TIFF and going into the awards season. Yeah. And then it was just absent. The crazy thing is Beale Street is Annapurna. And Annapurna, I would normally say they're a smaller company, so maybe they're not quite as used to pushing these movies as hard as they are and getting uh, their, you know, getting their, their projects lauded. I would ordinarily say that, except that Annapurna is the same company that released Vice. Yeah. So, Annapurna, if you can get everybody and their brother behind Vice, yeah. and you couldn't do it for Beale Street, you made a choice. Yeah, yeah, maybe they, yeah, that's right. Maybe they did pick the horse and they looked at, they looked at one and, you know, cause what, did Annapurna also do the big short? Uh, no. Okay. Nope. So that Annapurna's, maybe, Annapurna's kind maybe, of new on the field, right? No, but I remember, you know, far, I I think of Annapurna and I think of the old Russell movies. Like they yeah. did, uh, they definitely did American Hustle. I know that much. Mm. Um, and that's the question to me. Yeah, you're right. Is did they just leave Beale Street by the wayside because they thought Vice was their better chance? Maybe they did. I don't know. I don't work there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yet, don't please hire me. Um, but I'm not sure. 
I'm yeah. not sure. And it, you're right. It is surprising I didn't put two and two together on that. And it's unfortunate because Beale Street, by every measure in my mind, is a better movie than Vice. Yeah. And by a significant margin. No. They're... Except for the one caveat of Christian Bale being a damn genius. Yeah. So I don't know how that got. And then on the other side of the coin, Lordy, did First Man seem to have it in its sights. First Man seemed like it was a movie designed for Oscars from the ground up. Everything from Claire Foy to Ryan to Damien doing his thing again on a bigger scale to it being America rah rah and look what we did. Justin Hurwitz? Justin Hurwitz. Not getting a nomination? Everything about this movie seemed to be designed for Oscars. So the fact that Oscar just kind of turned their back on it Again, in favor of stuff like Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, which are all cut from that same yeah. milk toast cloth, is kind of surprising to me. Uh, uh, first Man, I could take or leave, but you're right. I mean, did did it get any nominations? I think it probably got like editing or something. I thought it got like one or two. I believe it's got a. I believe it's got visual effects. It does have visual effects. Uh, it does not have editing. Um, I think it's just VFX. It's just the one nomination. That's surprising. pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, and production design it's got, which it does. It looks handsome. Okay. Uh, so there's that. It it really uh, maybe some of the sound. Yes, both sounds. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it sounds great. So yeah. So a few um, so a few tech nominations. But but generally, but like not... anything above the line, it's it's completely absent. Yeah, including but... like you said, score, which that one shocked the. Holy crap! I yeah, mean, and I because think, I really expected that one. I think the thing about it uh, also is that you know, like Hurwitz has a little role going, right? Oh yeah, like, you know, he's the last two that he's made have been have gotten a lot of love. Yeah. So for him to miss on what seemed like maybe oh. it was because it seemed like him swinging, I don't know. For but, him doing the same thing, because there's a lot of La La Land notes in Pardon the Pond in mm. First Man. Um, you know, I mentioned Annapurna as, as, as kind of an example, and a lot of people get worked up about who is missing. And we're still waist-deep in the conversation of not enough female filmmakers getting nominated. And you know what? Absolutely. Uh, Nicole Hall of Center should have been nominated for Can You Ever Forgive Me? You could go further and say... Um, other films such as You Were Never Really Here or The Rider or Leave No Trace, on and on and on and on down the line. You could say the same thing for a lot of the directors of color um, that were missing for films like Widows and If Beale Street Could Talk and Black Panther. Black Panther. Um, but you know what? As much as we would like to sit here and yell at the several thousand Oscar voters, we also need to yell at the companies that are making these movies because yeah. there is a reason why Fox Searchlight is so damn good at this shit. And there is a reason why companies like Disney and Sony are not. Um, Boots Riley actually went on record about this this week, and he said, listen, I love everybody talking about how my movie should have been part of this evening and this this class. He goes, I'm going to be honest with y'all, we didn't put it out. We did not campaign it. We actively just decided we're not even going to try because we think it's too weird and that this thing is locked Mm. and you know what boots you may have been right you know it may have just been too weird of a movie to get even a screenplay nomination which i think it really could have got but if that's a conscious choice that your company decides not to play the game it is still a game yep and as much as we want to sit here and jump up and down about 
the representation that is not there, we need to actually point the finger at where it belongs, and that is the companies that are responsible for getting these players into the game. Yeah. So I wanted to take a second and talk about like any of the below-the-line categories, and you had already mentioned uh, wanted to talk about Best Foreign. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, not to make myself retroactively look like a genius. Um, <laughs> but you will. I will, um, because I wrote something about it the day before the nominations came, came out, and it held true. Uh, I, didn't na- I didn't specifically name drop the film that I suspected would go, okay. but I was pretty sure it would be burning. Okay. And the reason is math. Um, the surprise entrant in that category is Never Look Away from Germany. Okay. Um, and how many of these five have you seen? I've seen I've seen all but Never Look Away. So wow. I've, I've okay. seen four of the five. Nicely done. Uh, and of the nine that were eligible for consideration, because they have a weird whittling of the foreign film um, category, so by time nominations, morning comes around, it's basically a 50-50 shot. They've got nine films left, and five of them are going to get in there. Um we knew that Roma was going to be there. We knew that Cold War was going to be there. Those two were inarguable, which left, on paper, the most likely uh, options being Burning, Shoplifters, and Cabernet. Um And the reason I knew one of those were going to drop off is, historically, there has never been a Best Foreign Film category without two European films. Ah. There are Always, as far back as it's been a competitive category, it started in '47 as an like a, an honorary award that was given out, and then it became competitive. I believe in '56, there have never been fewer than two, hmm. and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's just the tastes of the people or if that's just dumb luck or whatever. I'm sure that math is going to collapse at some point. Yeah, but I looked at the slate and said, well, these are people that are historical just historically make bad choices. <laughs> and I didn't, I wasn't passionate about burning. People were passionate about burning. This field is good. Very, very good. Yeah. I, you know, uh, the four films that I have seen that are in there were all five star films for me. We're not even talking like these were all 10 bell films. Okay. There was one left on the cutting floor that was incredible, which was the guilty uh, for Denmark, which didn't get in. And that's, you know, it's fine. Whatever it is, what it is. We're not in a situation where we've got, you know, a movie like Nowhere in Africa winning the award while a movie like City of God, which would go on the next year to win a, get a Best Director nomination, wasn't even selected for that nine. Yeah. So, um, so going in, I knew that one of Capernaum shoplifters or burning would be vulnerable. I said as much. I wrote as much in an article. Yeah. But I personally thought it was burning and I know that's going to chafe a lot of people because a lot of people especially in Toronto love burning yeah I didn't Mm. and it's not that I didn't like it I think it's still for me about a four star movie I just didn't love it yeah and for a movie that I'm designed to like that's based on a short story by my favorite author that got so much love and so much hype around it I'm I'm not surprised that it kind of got left off the wayside Especially when I look at something like Shoplifters or Capernaum, which, again, is really... Those movies also really benefit from the nomination. Uh, the only other the category that kind of has me 
amused for a certain reason or another is Best Original Song, yeah. um, which is all the stars um, from Black Panther, I'll Fight by, uh, from the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie, The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins, which is one of the reasons why I'm curious, Shallow uh, from Star is Born, and When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from the Ballad of Bruster Scruggs. So again, not to point a finger at Annapurna, but I'm gonna, guess what company's behind this movie? How the living shit they got that song nominated is beyond me. It's not a bad song. Mm. It's a cute little song. And it has a place within the framing of the movie, which I really believe is key to this category. Because for a long time, it was just the credit song. Yep. Um, <laughs> nicely done. Yeah. In terms of getting this song in there. I just wrote a thing, and by the time this goes up, it may, it may be up on that shelf. Um, but, you know, one of the things, my major contribution to the site is this contra- uh, column called Soundtracking. And it's about songs and their and music and its place in the movies. And one piece that I've been doing when I have been doing the soundtracking one is I always do a bit of a roundup on some of the names and quirks and whatever else in the music category. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preface this with Shallow will win this award. Oh, yes. There's no doubt in my mind Shallow's going to win this award. And that takes the pressure off people from having to reward Gaga later on. Yeah. And it's fine. There are good people. I think Shallow is a fine song. It's a song that charted. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, <laughs> you know, we got two top ten hits in this in this bunch, which is nice. It's a far cry from 1984 where they had five number ones. Yeah. But we're getting back to music being a thing. Mm-hmm. And this is the important thing about the category. The song category is historically quirky. Right. Not quite so bad to the point of foreign film, but there's a lot of head scratching. There's a lot of people that get in there where you wonder how it happened. There's a lot of songs that are good that shouldn't be in there. But let's There's also, a lot of years where it's just not a good year for well, let's songs also, and movies. Let's also remember that this category has had to do a lot of reparation because we are eight, six years removed from there only being two nominations. Right. Right? When Man or Muppet won, it had a 50-50 shot because <laughs> they only picked two songs. Yeah. There were a few years where there were only three. Yeah. And it's like, is there just not the work or are you guys just being that tight-fisted about the what rules yeah. and the voting of how you're going to get to the thing? Yeah. Um, that aside, um, again, Shallow is going to win and Shallow is a fine song. If we live in a world where I can say Pulitzer Prize and Oscar winning Kendrick Lamar, Mm. that is a world I want to live in. This is true. And I don't think it's going to happen. No. But All the Stars also a top 10 hit. Yeah. Um, it's a way to throw Black Panther a bone. This is true. Um, you know, there are good people. SZA's also in there. I love SZA. SZA's my girl. Um, it's a great song. And I would love to see, I, I, you know, let's, let's just get Kendrick up on the Oscar stage and just see what happens. Yes. My opinion is something catches fire because that would be awesome. <laughs> but... All right, time to put our early money where our mouths are, and we both reserve the right to change our minds repeatedly since we are still at least a month from these trophies getting handed out, and a lot can happen, uh, which is why this is always so interesting. Like I say, it's a stock market. Stocks go up, stocks go down. Uh, If you were betting money on Bohemian Rhapsody about a month ago, you probably would have seemed pretty smart. Now, not so much. Yep. Okay. We're going to start with the scripts. Adapted screenplay. Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, Ever Forgive Me, Beale Street, or Stars Born? Klansman. It's a way, to give, it's a way to give Spike an Oscar. Yep. And I think that's the way they're going to go. And okay. that's the way screenplays go. If you look at guys like Cameron Crowe and Almodovar who have 
won yeah. it for ones that maybe I mean Cameron Crowe was kind of a layup but Almodovar was a little bit more of an out of left field thing yeah and I think that's a way that they that they can Jordan Peele I think it's a way that they can acknowledge a film without when it's not really in the conversation this for the is, big guys this is true uh, I, I'm i gonna go with I'm gonna stay with Beale Street just because I really think that Barry Jenkins kind of has a little bit of momentum going I'd be okay with that um, but yeah if, if he's gonna lose to anybody I'd like him to lose to Spike best original screenplay favorite first reformed green book Roma Vice. Wow, that is a tough one. Yeah. Um, my gut, I, you know, I think it's going to be Quaron. I think I think Quaron's going to have a huge night, mm-hmm. and I think I think he's going to win. It's, this is going to be the antithesis of what I just said. Right. I think he's gonna he's gonna walk out of there with at least three trophies yeah. and I think this is going to be one of them. It's funny because I was actually thinking this was going to be a year where a lot of movies were going to win one, two, maybe three but the more the more you say it the more I think about it Roma has a chance to put a lot of points on the board. I'll say Schrader. I, I, Quaron will be there a lot and if Quaron wins this if Quaron wins this then just you can go to bed early. <laughs> you know? Unfortunately then, these awards are actually kind of usually later on in the show. That's right? Yeah that's true too. Supporting actress, Amy Adams, uh, Marina Del Tavira, Regina King, Emma Stone, Rachel Weiss. Regina. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a layup, you know. That's, like, like you said, if, if one of the that's favorites... That's the only category where I think it's done. If one of the favorites didn't already have... And by the favorites, I mean Emma and Rachel. If one of them didn't have an Oscar, right. I would consider it, but they both do. So, no. Uh, and I agree, Regina King. Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali, Adam Driver, Sam Elliott, Richard E. Grant, Sam Rockwell. I think Sam Elliott will win. Okay. Really? Yes. Okay. But don't sleep on Richard E. Grant. I want. Yeah, I, I really want Richard E. Grant. I, I really, want, I really I do. want Richard I mean, E. Grant to win. Even money, I, I think, is on Mahershala. But I think he's too. I think we're too close to to um, to Moonlight. And I think didn't Green, hurt Hillary Swank. True. Uh, Best Actress, Yelitsa Apriccio, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Lady Gaga, Melissa McCarthy. Glenn Close. Okay. It's going to be Glenn Close. I uh, really want Yelitsa. If only because if if I'm finally getting my, my mouth around pronouncing her name. Actor, happen. Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Rami Malek, Viggo Mortensen. I said it before, Rami up the middle. It's not. It's it's I'll gonna it's bet. gonna be yeah. surprise. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll take that. I think Bale is really, 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 really well liked. Yeah, uh, and it and it could turn out that way. Yeah, but he has an Oscar. Yeah, this is true, and it wasn't that long ago. Best director: wow. Spike Lee, Pavel Pawlowski. Uh, thank you. Yorgos Lathmos, Alfonso Cuarón, Adam McKay. Is, oh, look, I'd be I'd be thrilled if your Yorgos somehow came down with this one. Yeah. And it's a shame because if Yorgos had written the screenplay, I think he would have yeah. backed into that Spike Lee. It's it's, I, yeah, it's it's ironic that the film that he didn't write is the first one. Right. I don't really think we want to encourage the dog tooth guy and that's, to be honest. No, no. <laughs> Do more, not hand him a more, budget. More weird. And uh, finally, best picture: Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, Stars Born. Vice. I think sanity will prevail in Roma will win. I, and I think that's building on inertia of it winning a lot of things. I agree because as previously stated, I don't know how it goes down below three on anybody's ballot. So a lot of those redistributed votes from whatever happens to be down at the bottom. Hey listen, it's taken 91 years for a foreign film to win. Um, the world climate the way it is, it would be 
pretty apt uh, if, if a foreign film were to win. Um, I mean, it'd also be pretty. It'd also be pretty poetic for a Mexican film to win while Trump is screaming for money for a border This wall. is entirely true. This is another thing that we have to consider, right? It's not. These things don't operate in a vacuum, and it's why. It's why the salesman won best foreign when it did because. The early indicators in that one were Loveless, which is a Russian film. Or Tony Urban. Uh, Tony Urban, it lost it, it really, really lost its role early on. But people looked at it and the, you know, and, and, and suddenly it was like, can't give it to a Russian film just after they probably rigged an election. Yeah. But here's so this guy who can't even get into the country to attend the ceremony. Right. Um, so and, I, I, mean, think, I think the politics of it, I, 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 think, I think Roma is a fantastic and is objectively the best picture of the year. Oh, yes. And I just don't think there's anything out there that can build momentum to challenge it. No. Not and to mention that I really want to get past this point that a film can be the best animated film or the best foreign film or the best documentary but not best in class. You know, I really think we need to get over that shit and say to ourselves if a animated film or a documentary or a porn film happens to be the best picture of the year so be it and look these are american awards but they are viewed as the best movie in the world yeah. and when something like city of god cracks the best director list people make take notice of that because suddenly it's in the conversation with those movies yeah and whether that's something like life is beautiful or whether that's something like a more they're in the conversation that is episode 215 of the Matinee Cast. I'd like to thank Shane McNeil for dropping by. Come on back on some date in the future. Which come I... back, Shane. <laughs> Please come back, Shane. Sometime before the next Olympics. Come back on February 11th for episode 216. I do not know yet what we're going to talk about because it's the winter and stuff doesn't come out. Uh, but we'll have a show for you. Uh, Shane is on that shelf. Anything coming up uh, next week or two that people can look forward to? Uh, the piece I was talking about, but the uh, best song and um, best score nominees. Uh, not sure if it's up just yet. I did just file it yesterday, but uh, it's probably going to be up. Yeah, we'll go soon.